Each year on Christmas Eve, we hear the familiar and beloved words of the prophet Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. But today we heard the verses from Isaiah which come just before those beautiful words and which speak of our need for the Messiah. The context for today's first reading is the sad history of the northern kingdom of Israel, which separated from the southern kingdom of Judah after the death of King Solomon and thereby weakened both kingdoms. The territory of the northern kingdom contained the lands of 10 of the 12 tribes, each of which was named for one of Jacob's 12 sons. And the northern kingdom was in closer proximity to, and therefore in greater danger from, the rising hostile power of Assyria. In the year 733 BC, the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser III conquered the northern kingdom of Israel and exiled most of its citizens while bringing in settlers from among his own people. This conquest caused the mixing together of Jews and Gentiles in what had been the northern kingdom and led to the legend of the ten lost tribes. The richest lands of the northern kingdom were located on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, and they were named for the patriarchs Zebulun and Naphtali, whose tribes had once dwelt there. That is where the heaviest burden of the Assyrian captivity fell on Israel, in the region called Galilee, which included the towns of Nazareth and Capernaum. That is the context in which the prophet Isaiah wrote about the coming of the Messiah in the words we heard today. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, the Lord brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, a light has shone. Isaiah wrote those words about 700 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus. But the church has ever seen in Isaiah's prophecy an account of Jesus as the Messiah, who, though he had to be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, would nonetheless begin his mission in Galilee to bring about, as the son of David, a new and universal kingdom. As we sang today in the psalm, King David spoke of the Lord as our light and our salvation. And the Lord Jesus himself is that Savior, that great light which shone in the deep darkness, a darkness that descended not only upon the northern kingdom, but upon the entire human race, plunging us all through sin into death and destruction. Human redemption began when the Messiah was born in Bethlehem of Judah, but the public ministry of the Lord Jesus, which led to his atoning death and glorious resurrection, did indeed begin in Galilee, just as Isaiah foretold and as we read in the Gospel today. 
Our text from chapter 4 of Matthew begins just after the account of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, which followed his baptism by John. Then at verse 12 of chapter 4, Matthew writes that when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Here we should pause and wonder, what happened to St. Joseph? The last mention of Joseph in Holy Scripture comes when Jesus was 12 years old and traveled with Joseph and Mary to Jerusalem for the celebration of Passover. Joseph and Mary left the holy city to return to Nazareth, and they thought that Jesus was with their family and friends in the great caravan traveling to Galilee. But after a day on the road, they discovered that he was missing. So they returned to Jerusalem in haste and finally discovered Jesus teaching the teachers in the temple, a place which he described candidly as his father's house. Then the boy Jesus returned with his mother and adoptive father to their home in Nazareth and remained with him there under their authority until he went to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Sometime during the 18 years or so between that day in the temple and the day of the baptism of Jesus by John, St. Joseph must have died. But scripture is silent on this point and so we cannot know for certain what happened. One pious tradition holds that the death of Joseph was the signal to Jesus that the time had come for him to begin his public ministry. And in that case, Joseph's death would have been near the time of the baptism of Jesus. But whether Joseph died early or late, he had fulfilled at great cost to himself his divine vocation to raise the Son of God as his own boy and bequeath to him the title son of David. The Lord Jesus loved and revered Joseph, the just man to whom so much was entrusted by the providence of God, and so we should venerate him too. Saint Joseph, pray for us. But whatever the timeline of events in Nazareth, the imprisonment of John the Baptist inaugurated the three years of the public ministry of the Messiah. And those years began in Galilee, just as Isaiah foretold, thus confirming that the New Testament is concealed in the Old and the Old Testament is revealed in the New. Matthew tells us that from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But the savior did not simply preach the gospel in Galilee. He also began to summon individual students there disciples who were called to accompany him and to learn from him and who would one day become apostles sent by him to teach in his name. Of these there would be 12, the number of the patriarchs of Israel, and to the 12 would be added Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. St. Matthew then tells us of the calling by the Lord Jesus of Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, and their friends, James and John. All four men responded to the call of Christ immediately, and they began to follow Jesus. 
Matthew does not tell us how Zebedee, or Simon's wife, reacted to the immediate departure of these four new fishers of men from their homes and family businesses. But for the two sets of brothers to go off chasing after an itinerant rabbi must have seemed to those who were left behind a strange decision, perhaps even a reckless dereliction of duty. But we also know that the Lord Jesus spoke with authority and that all who heard him teach were pierced by his words, whether to contrition and healing or to rage and ruin. So it seems likely that the families and friends of these four disciples and of the other eight apostles to come understood that the men they loved were called by God to some life-changing purpose which demanded that they leave everything to follow Jesus. At the heart of faith is trust. And we must trust the Lord Jesus more than we trust ourselves and respond to his teaching, just as did the first apostles. Matthew then tells us that Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. In other words, what began in Galilee did not stay in Galilee. And what was ignited in Capernaum was a fire of divine love that would in time sweep the world and invite the whole human race to hear and heed the word of God. Above all, the word of God in the divinely inspired scriptures of the Old and New Testament as they are transmitted by the apostolic tradition, which guarantees their authenticity. That movement of the revealed word would come to be known as the church. And in these weeks before Lent, as we read from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians at the second lesson each Sunday, we will be reminded that from the very beginning, the church has been a shambles just as was Israel before us. But the church is also already the spotless bride of Christ, a universal assembly of all those who are called and sent, like the Twelve, to show forth a new life of grace by faith, hope, and love, and to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom by the way we live and love, serve and pray, think and worship. And to fulfill that divine calling, we must always place the Lord Jesus at the center of everything, of our entire lives, and respond immediately to all that he asks of us, no matter the cost. Friends, by our words and deeds, we must bear witness that the eternal word made flesh and light of the world is none other than the son of David, who was born in Bethlehem, he is the itinerant Galilean rabbi from Nazareth. And he is both the son of Mary and God the Son, our light and our salvation, the king of all creation, the Messiah and redeemer of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs>